There's a move of God, um, not just in the church, but of the church and into culture. And uh, we know this. God's not looking for church people. He's looking for kingdom people. He's looking for city people. God wants to raise up spirit-filled doctors, spirit-filled engineers, spirit-filled baristas, spirit-filled businesses. This is the heart of God. The dream of Jesus is Jesus happening everywhere, every day, everywhere, everyone. I think it's so important to know uh, where God's called you and what it looks like to cultivate God's presence and the Spirit of God in those places that God has put you. Sometimes we only encounter God in church because that's the only place we expect to encounter Him. I think we tend to see God where we're looking for Him. Welcome to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast, Resurgence Initiatives Podcast. Our heart is to see a movement of leaders released in all spheres of society and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Never before has there been such a need for good leadership. We're on a journey to be equipped, encouraged, and empowered. Join our conversations as we talk spirit-empowered leadership and see God's kingdom at work through God's people everywhere they go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast. My name is Donovan Beyer. I'm here with Travis Polonia. We're from a ministry called Resurgence, and we have such a heart to see leaders healthy, whole, thriving, filled with God's spirit, and, and working in their area of calling. Uh, so good to be here, Donovan, again, and we're on another episode, and this has been amazing because we're just, we're both on this journey of how, how do we be led by God's spirit? How do we lead? How do we lead this movement? How do we lead God what you're calling to do? But how do we call forth a generation of leaders? And it's about sons and daughters. It's about mothers and fathers. And, uh, and it's about friends, you know. And uh, we have an amazing guest, a dear friend of mine that God had connected us years ago. And we've traveled all over because of the friendship. And more than just doing ministry together, and it's been friendship. And so... I've I've sat with this friend in pain. I've sat with him, um, you know, and and just spent time. And so knowing uh, Nate and our guest today and his story, it's going to be awesome. But um, tell me about Donovan your um, leadership journey when it comes to friends. Like you know, we can do leadership on a stage and oh, we got leaders. But there's something about friends in a room, isn't there? Yeah, absolutely. I, it's one of those things that I've been thinking about through all the interviews we've done so far is just how everybody's story, there's always other people involved. Nothing, it hasn't happened in a vacuum. And for me, like the seasons of life that I felt like I was really thriving, that I was really leaving, leading well, that I was leading out of wholeness were these times in my life where I had no secrets because I had people that were walking with me that, uh, that, that knew what was going on. And it's amazing. I have a really good friend who, uh, for the last almost four years, we've gone on a prayer walk once a week and, uh, we, we update one another. What's going on? How's your heart? How's it going? And we're able to share the struggles, share the joys, share the issues, the different things that come up. And honestly, like as a, as a leader who seeks to be empowered by God's spirit, I don't know how I could do that without that level and intentionality of friendship. And, uh, and I, I just think it's so important for us as leaders. And, uh, cause as soon as we feel isolation, we, that it really hurts our hearts. Yeah. You know, I, I think of the years, uh, ministry moments, stages, um, you know, halter calls, incredible things. But for me, some of the highlights of ministry has been the going out to Earl's. I'm addicted to Earl's, <laughs> but uh, the restaurants, going <laughs> yep. out after and celebrating what God has done and having food totally. together and just those moments of like, hey, mm-hmm. we're on a team, we're doing this together. And my call to ministry, actually full-time ministry and vocation was being on doing sound at a camp and then I moved Mm. to the front row and I watched God move and I remember saying God I just want to sit in the front row and watch you move and so to Mm. see other people preaching uh, to see other people stepping into their destiny to see people raise that that excites me a lot and I just I I love doing life with friends because you do it by yourself it sucks (laughs) and there's something about you know, we're on the same page, encourage each other through the pain, through the hard circumstance. We have each other's back. And 
that means the world to have you on our team, to have a team of our global Thanks. team that leads resurgence, our Edmonton team. I mean, just leaders over the years, I think of ones that have served and I'm just, I honor them because they, they kept me going when I wanted to quit. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's so, it's so key as a spirit empowered leader, isn't it? Oh yeah. And I, I'm, I'm so excited to hear from one of your good friends today, Travis, Nate Edwardson. Uh, we're going to learn a little bit more about him today. But uh, I, I know just from hearing a little bit of his story in, in places that he's the type of person that has a huge value on spirit-empowered leadership and leading in the context of family and friendship. And so I, I want to encourage you today before we hop into this interview, just invite the Holy Spirit to come and highlight what he needs to highlight. And I believe it's going to be a really rich conversation. So let's, uh, let's join in with that. Well, we are so excited today to have a dear friend of mine, and uh, I was looking back at when we met. I met Nate Edwardson, our guest today, I think it was in 2014, and uh, I was at a conference, and across the conference, I saw this guy, and I'm like, who is that guy? And I asked my friend, I'm like, who is he? And he goes, oh, he's wanted to meet you because you're from Canada. And so I said, okay, so I, I introduced myself, we talked. And then I kind of, he's like, oh, like, I'd love to come up to Canada sometime. And I kind of thought, oh, he just wants to come speak or something. And I went and sat down and I said, God, if you're connecting me with him, then bring him right back to me. And I turn around and his phone is in my face. And he goes, are you from Edmonton? And I'm like, yeah, that's my city. And he's like, my great grandfather, is it? Uh, started uh, an aid agency, Hope Mission, in Edmonton, and that's in your city, and we had lunch, and it started Mm. a friendship that we've traveled to uh, Norway, to Banff, we've been many places together, San Francisco, um, just so many different places, um, uh, ministering together, just hanging out, he's been such a role model for me, such an encourager, and I'm so excited, Nate, to have you. When we thought of this podcast, we're like, Nate, first person, like, we, we need you on this thing. And so thank you for doing this. Thank you for showing up. I know you're off to Norway tomorrow to minister. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about more than I said about you, the big, long intro, maybe read your biography and, and all the long accolades that you have. But Oh, man, uh, super grateful to be on here with you guys. We love resurgence. Uh, We are contending for revival and renewal in Canada and beyond. And, and, uh, you know, I consider Travis, you just such a close friend, that divine connection that happened years ago uh, here in Reading, the walking across the room. And, and uh, so just, just an honor to be here. Uh, You know, 16 years ago, uh, my wife and I, with a handful of friends, planted a church um, here in Redding, California. Uh, We gathered in the basement of a Nazarene gym. And uh, I remember this moment where we we literally fell to our knees. Uh, We felt God calling us to plant the church to to bring home sons and daughters, uh, to see a generation disconnected, discouraged, and and uh, deconstructing, come back into family, and uh, and it's been beautiful, man. Sixteen years, um, and still offering ourselves, and we still love Jesus, which is a miracle. We still love the church, and and uh, and so we have four beautiful kids, and uh, and from from this this uh, this church, this dysfunctional messy representation of Jesus we call the stirring from that place we've been able to connect globally with some dear friends in different cities we call it friends in cities and and uh, you guys obviously are some of those friends that that we're running with so just an honor to be here and uh, let's go yeah Nate it's so good to have you here with us um I, I know I've been really impacted by the podcast. You've been a part of the Pastors Podcast. And so if any of you listeners are pastors and you want to grow in that area, I highly suggest to check that out. Uh, but one of the things that I noticed as I listened to that podcast, Nate, is just your love for the Holy Spirit and your belief that we can't minister without or separate from the work of the Holy Spirit. Is is that something that's always been a conviction of yours? Or is this something that God's kind of done in you over time? Like, what's your history with Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's a great question. History with Holy Spirit. That's a book title. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> um, so I grew up in a more conservative church 
that would talk about the spirit every now and then, but probably didn't really experience the spirit or uh, practice um, the spirit. And so I remember just early on um, some real encounters with 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 God, with, with the presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, I I had a um, a roommate who would uh, wake up every morning, and he would read his Bible and he would seek God, a spirit filled roommate, and I I watched him seek God and and it it put desire in me to seek after God and I would say to my roommate day after day I would say wake me up in the morning when you seek God I want to seek the Lord with you and and. Uh, he would wake me up and I would go back to bed. He would wake me up. I would go back to bed. This happened for weeks. And I remember the, the day I said to him, hey, listen, wake me up. He turned to me and he said, wake yourself up. And, uh, and it was a real prophetic invitation. Weeks later, I had what I would say my first experience with the Holy Spirit. And I'll never forget that moment where it was as if I was I was baptized in the spirit of God, I was, um, I found myself under the, the waterfall of God's love, God's just liquid love. It just felt like I'd, I'd never experienced the love of God in such a way. And I, I had no language for it. As I look back, it just felt like a baptism of his spirit. I woke up the next day, spirit filled. God did something in me that I could not do in me. It's one thing when your roommate wakes you up. It's another thing when you try to wake yourself up. It is completely something else when the Spirit of God wakes you up. And this is what happened. And uh, at 21 years old, God's Spirit now in me in such a new way. And, and uh, it was as if, as if I had never lived before. And uh, we started a worship night almost 20 years ago. We gathered a handful of us on Sunday nights and God started doing things we didn't believe he could do. Uh, God, through his spirit, breaking into our poor theology. And I, in those early days, I would say that I learned we don't, we don't limit God to what we believe. We ask God to grow us into what he believes. You know, sometimes our theology, our paradigms can actually limit the spirit of God. And we've got to flip the script on that and go, God, whatever's true, of your presence and your spirit, grow me into that. I, I refuse to limit you to my theology. Would you grow me into yours? And so I, I would say these early encounters with the Holy Spirit, we saw, we saw God heal people. We saw God fill people. Um, we saw this, this young generation 20 years ago starting to come into spirit-filled, spirit-drenched life. Um, God awakened the, the, the gifts in us. That was, you know, we grew up at a, you know, in a church context where you, you talk about the gifts, but you don't really practice the gifts. Or, or it's, uh, you know, these gifts are for today, but these gifts are from the devil. So, uh, you know, things like the prophetic gifting, which I was raised to, you know, that, that that was something God didn't do anymore. And then all of a sudden we're hearing from God and there's a prophetic gifting. And, and, uh, and so um, it, it, it felt... Um, like a bit of a renewal in those early days that uh, um, I would say brought me into the beginning of, um, as Paul would say, being filled with the Spirit of God, walking in the power of the Spirit of God. And uh, so that's kind of how it started, Donovan. That's so awesome. And it's like, it's just cool how it's almost this aha moment, you know, you've been living life, you've been, you've been probably ministering and really your, your life's been making a difference. And all of a sudden Holy Spirit fills you and it's like a trajectory shift. It's like everything changes from that moment on. Uh, so that's really cool. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in this, uh, in, in this listening that have a similar experience where they grew up in a place believing that these things maybe weren't for today or not sure how. And that was definitely my experience, but I found the more that I opened myself up to, to, desiring more of God and like, and actually trying to, to reconcile, like how, how does this look and how does this make sense in the scriptures? It just blew open 
my life and my ministry in such amazing ways. So that's really cool, Nate. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to uh, know just like how, how do you steward that now in your life? Like how as a leader um, do you actually continue to steward your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, I think, I think early on what we learned was when, when God fills you with the Spirit, um, at least two things happen. Um, I, I call it, um, I would call it holiness and power. That, that the mark, the, the sign and wonder of, of the Spirit-filled life is um, holiness becoming like Jesus and power doing like Jesus. And, and so for us, it was these, these new worlds that I can become like Him, that He fills me with the Spirit to make me like Him, but I can, all, I can also do like Him. And, and I think there was a bit of uh, tension or disconnect growing up in the church where I, I think there was probably more emphasis on behavior, the, the, uh, um, the, the, the holiness piece, um, and and not as much I can actually do what Jesus does when the Spirit of Jesus fills my life and and so these were you know two astounding revelations for us that 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 we get to, we don't just applaud what Jesus did two thousand years ago but uh, the the Spirit of God comes to make us like Him and and really compel us to do the stuff Jesus does as John Wimber used to say. Um, doing the stuff. And uh, so I think stewarding that for me early on, what was really helpful is I, um, I've had some, uh, I think some profound fathers in my life. One of those fathers, Bill Randall, who um, had such a beautiful secret life with God. And I remember moments I was on, you know, on staff with Bill for a few years. He came alongside um, young adult Nate and uh, got me addicted to coffee and Jesus in that order. And uh, he became a real father in my life. And one of the things we would do is we would seek the Lord together. I remember moments he would say, hey, would you come pray with me? And we would, we, we would uh, spend an hour or two in, in the worship center on our face, and he would weep before the Lord. And it's, it's one thing for a father to preach about prayer. It's another when a father says, come pray with me. Um, I think too many fathers today are building platforms and not building sons and daughters. And, uh, and some of the most impactful moments for me were those moments on my face, learning to in, encounter the, the, the Spirit of God, you know, uh, being shown uh, how to do that. And so early on for me, I just grew a real desire, a real passion for uh, secret life, prayer life, word life, presence life, and I think I, um, I realized how significant those hours are, those seasons. My first year of walking with the Lord, when, when, um, when, I really, when I really encountered Jesus and the Spirit of God, it put in me a love for the Word. And so late at night, uh, I would uh, sneak into a room in our house uh, at some point, my wife said, where are you going at night? And I was, I was sneaking into a prayer room, and I would put on worship music, and I would just spend, I would read the Psalms, I would read the book of Acts, I would read the stories of Jesus, and, and there was a collision of, of just spirit and word for me. And those early days and years, uh, guys, I don't know if we understand um, what God does um, in the unseen, unnoticed places of our lives. I would say the, the, the man I am, the husband, the father, got forged in those early days. And, and, and now I have such a, um, such a deep hunger for it, I can't live without it. Um, but I, I, I remember um, it, it was as if, you know, I think of the story of, of David. And uh, for 40 days and 40 nights, Goliath the giant is taunting Israel. Um, and uh, the, the army, they're, they're terrified. They're shaking, the Bible says, and they refuse to live into the fullness of who they are. They refuse to fight God's battle. They, uh, they're living in fear. Meanwhile, 
What's stunning about the story is God is forming David in a field. Here's David cultivating secret life, killing lions and bears by the Spirit of God, learning and praying the Word of God, writing songs. Um, the planet had no idea while, while the army lived under the intimidation of, of culture, here was David being formed in the presence of God by the Spirit of God. And, and I just, there's an invitation into that field. And for me, that place has just become, you know, even 20 years later, you know, waking up in the morning and going to that field and saying, God, I want to learn. I call it lions and bears. I want to learn how to walk in the power of God's Spirit when no one's looking so that God can call and choose and empower me in those moments when others are choosing fear, you know. And so, um, so I think for me, it's just been early on, Donovan, um, this phrase that really helped me was this. Um, I, I think it's more important that I talk to God about people. I must spend more time talking to God about people than talking to people about God. And that's one of the things early on that I thought if I could get this right, because it'd be so tempting to just, you know, spend time with people. And, and I found that really the, the, the spirit-filled life is, is you, you can only go as far as you go deep. And, and for me, uh, uh, 20, 25 years into this journey, um, I, I still value so deeply what God does in the unseen place. Journaling prayer, reading and praying the word, and, and sitting in that space that feels like wasted time. But it never is wasted. And so that's, that's some of the rhythms that I've, I've cultivated. You know, there's so much pressure in ministry. And, uh, and when it comes down to it, I can live in the pressure and from the pressure or in the presence and from the presence. And so for me, whenever I start feeling the pressure, I just go, I've got to get back to the presence. I've got to get back to the place where God just fills me. I want to be full. I want to be spirit drenched. And I know how to get it. I think, I think pastors, leaders, disciples, sons and daughters have got to learn how to get filled with God's spirit. This is why Paul says, be being filled I think it's one of the most important things, the anchors, where we can come and say, I'm drenched in God. So good. So good. Nate, I, one of the things I so admire and just uh, look up to you, and, and um, one of the things that you've had such an influence on me is you have such a heart posture to not just encounter, but live, live that encounter out. And, and I seen that, you know, driving with you, you know, being at the stirring, being with your family, going to soccer games. I think I've been to three, four soccer games because you care about your family. You're like, hey, you're in town, but you're coming to my soccer game. And, and we're, we hauled stuff to the dump one time. You're like, I got to do a dump run. And, and we're, we're doing these things together. But what I appreciate about those things is that you, and you said this one time, you said God's presence doesn't come through new programs or structures, but on people's shoulders. And like, you're, you're passionate about sons and daughters and mothers and fathers. And, and, and there's a culture that you've, you've just really built in the stirring, but in your life on like, hey, it's not just about the stage and the platform and my ministry it's it's about um how do i how do i father a generation how do i how do i i mean you shared this with me social media that the reason why you take pictures and is like i want to show how to like um father through social media which most people are just posting their highlight reels and like hey look at me but you're like how do i spark that and so can you talk to us where, where did this all kind of be formed in you like it was, was it in the encounter or how did you get to this point that you're so um you know i, I remember you said it at a denominational uh thing that you're speaking at that uh we had you in canada you said if the future of this thing isn't people isn't sons and daughters and i'm out you know and where did this form yeah, I think I think somewhere along the way, um, my own 
I would say, experience with the brokenness of family, uh, my own wrestlings with my father, um, my own wounds, um, my own my own pain and frustrations with the church, with denomination, with passive fathers. I I think I think sometimes the places we are wounded the most are the places that God actually forms us the most. Hmm. And so for me, out of out of that, it put in me just such a deep desire to do ministry as family, family and friends. And uh, that's become so clear. I think too often we're building big churches and we have no idea how to build big sons and daughters. And at some point, the, the Lord really spoke to me years ago, which helped me immensely. It's, uh, it's so important to know what you're building and why you're building um, you know, you, we, we've heard it said that, you know, so many are climbing this ladder of success and what a, what a tragedy to climb the ladder. And at the end of your life, realize it's leaning against the wrong wall. And so I, I don't want to just, I don't want to just be on the right ladder. I want to be building the right wall. And, and for me, um, uh, family has felt like such a mandate. The Lord said at one point, he said, you won't have a big church but you'll have big sons and daughters. He said, you won't have a big ministry, but you'll have a big legacy. Ministry is what we build through our own hands, and there's nothing wrong with ministry. I, God calls us to build things, but legacy is what you build through the hands of your sons and daughters. You know, And so we have to understand ministry and legacy are two different things. They're two different ways, and there's too many fathers and mothers and leaders building ministry, and they have no idea how to build legacy. You know, and and, uh, and and so for me, um, a deep conviction that the future of the church is in sons and daughters. The president of our denomination flew out a few years back, and we spent a half day together. And he was talking about the the future of our movement, vision, strategy, and my frustration has been um, through the years that um, oftentimes um, we don't know how to empower the next generation. And too often um, we can become narcissistic where we're inviting people to build our thing rather than learning how to champion what God's put in them. Um, I think there's a place for both. There's a place to call people to build something. There's also a place to say, what's in your heart? How can I help build you? And how can I help champion you? And and um, I, I asked the president of our denomination, I said, are you... Um, you know, where's the future? Where's the future of this movement? Is the future in a strategy or is the future in the next generation? Because this is a question that really matters. Is the future in people or is it in some idea or some strategy or some initiative? And so for me, it, it has helped. When I think of future of the church, I think of my kids. God puts the future in people. Um, it's, it's helped me to see, like as a pastor, it's helped me to see the church in such a beautiful way that I'm, I'm not trying to get the church sold on some vision that I got on the mountain from God. I, I, the, 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 the future of the church is in people. and How do I see people and value people and walk with people and, and allow what, what Paul says, Christ to be fully formed in people? Again, I, I love vision. I'm a visionary but um, our, our vision is only as powerful as we, are, are, as we are willing and able to see people and walk with people. Visionary leadership will fall short if I can't see and develop people well. And there's a real tension there. So I don't know. I just have uh, just a huge uh, passion for the church to represent the church as family. And uh, the church is an organization, but first and foremost, it is a family. And God's calling home sons and daughters. He's raising up fathers and mothers. And, uh, and we get to help build that. That's so good, Nate. And I'm, I'm reminded of Jesus' ministry, right? Like, Jesus fully empowered by the Holy Spirit. What is, what is he led to do? He's led to empower those disciples. You know, and he puts all of his energy and time and he's patient with those guys. He's empowering those guys and, and the women too. It's amazing just how he did that. Um, and I, I'm just thinking about legacy. Okay. I'm thinking about legacy too. Like for people that 
like the engineer for the business owner for the nurse the doctor like how 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 does being spirit empowered as a leader impact legacy kind of in spheres outside of the four walls of the church yeah that's a great question um there's a move of god um not just in the church but of the church and into culture and uh, we know this god's not looking for church people he's looking for kingdom people he's looking for city people god wants to raise up spirit-filled doctors spirit-filled engineers spirit-filled baristas spirit-filled businesses this is the heart of God. The dream of Jesus is Jesus happening everywhere, every day, everywhere, everyone. And so, Donovan, that's a, that's a deep passion that, that we carry. Um, my thought on legacy is this. I think it's, I think it's so important to know uh, where God's called you and what it, um, what it looks like to cultivate God's presence and the Spirit of God in those places that God has put you. Sometimes we only encounter God in church because that's the only place we expect to encounter Him. I think we tend to see God where we're looking for Him. And, and so uh, if, if we're having our most powerful spiritual encounters on Sundays then that's probably the only place we're expecting him. And it will take a people that, that understand the assignment on their life, the place God has positioned them. Uh, I think of Nehemiah, you know, who's positioned to, you know, rebuild the ruins of a city. And then, and then learning how to welcome God there. And so this is more than just doing my job well. I, I believe in that. When I think of you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, the Spirit of God comes upon them. And it's, it's more than just doing their job well. It says that God gave them aptitude, understanding, and the, the, the king found them ten times more capable than anyone else in, in the known, um, you know, Babylonian empire. What that means is it, when I'm spirit-filled, I have the mind of Jesus. And the spirit-filled life allows an engineer to carry God thoughts to the to the the blueprints and to the the the, the cubicle. And so I I am dreaming about a church that that walks that's ten times more capable in what they do because we have the spirit of God on our lives. And uh, it, so um, there's a a move of God right now, um, I call it apostolic. You've got the pastoral form of the church and the apostolic form. Um, you could say the local and the missional. You know, apostolic's a word that means just the sentness of the church. You've got the gathered church and the, the scattered church. I believe we live in a day right now, an apostolic day, where God is raising up apostolic leaders, business leaders, culture leaders, you know, from, you know, from filmmakers to restaurant owners to, um, you know, gym trainers, uh, engineers, people that, that work in tech, medicine. But God's raising up people who realize that the local expression of the church is just one way to do church. There is an apostolic, there is a sent expression, there is a missional church that, that we have to be brave and bold enough to create space for new expressions of the church and the kingdom outside of the traditional expressions that, 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 uh, that many would say, this is the right way to do church. But the reality is, in the U.S. alone, uh, I believe it's uh, Neil Cole that says this, 96% of churches in the U.S. are pastor teacher churches. In some sense, building, protecting, perpetuating the local expression of the church. That means only 4% of churches in the U.S. are apostolic evangelistic, meaning they're, they're willing to pioneer expressions of the church outside of the context of a Sunday morning expression. So 96% of churches going after a small amount of people who would ever step foot in a church. The harvest 
is so ready for what you're talking about, culture leaders, city leaders, who begin to cultivate spirit-filled space and church and kingdom in ways that we have not seen before. And I can't wait to see God put that more and more on the burner. Oh, so good. We can go so many ways with that. I'm like, I have so many questions. I'm like, which way do we go? Um, but I, I want to go back to what you shared before because um, it's it stuck with me. And, and you talked about leadership and you talked about, you know, in our conversations too over the years and FaceTimes and times that we've connected. I, I know that you just haven't led, you know, sometimes we're like, okay, you lead and you, you see you see the stuff out front. But I also know that leadership through the pain has been something that you've had to navigate. And in leading in um, all the stuff you're doing, you have a movement called Preachers that is apostolic and raising up voices. It's, it's you know, you're off to Norway just to do that tomorrow. I mean, you, you just have this mandate on your life that's huge. And at the same time, you've had to navigate seasons that have been really difficult in seasons of burnout and seasons of, of, of tough pain. Um, how do you stay full in that pain? How have you as a spirit-empowered leader come through the other side and, and we're all on this journey, but navigate through that? Wow. What a question, man. Um, pain is such a vital and normal part of the journey. Uh, if, if there's no pain, then we're not really living. And so for me, part of it has been, um, man, the pain of, of people walking out on you, the pain of betrayal, the pain of friend loss, the, the, the pain of things not going the way we thought they would, the, the pain of a dream that dies, the, the pain of kids who are on their own painful journey to find God and um, I think for me, one of the big ahas has been that, that um, you know, pain is not that somehow I've missed the way of God or, or when there's pain in our lives, we're, um, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, pain is an invitation to experience God deeply in our lives. And, uh, and Jesus, the epicenter of our faith, half naked on a cross, bleeding out. Um, if, if, um, so I would say this, in my, um, in my 20s, my prayer was, God, I want to be on fire. I just want to be on fire for you. I would say now that I'm in my 40s, my prayer has changed. I'm still on fire. But early on, I just wanted to be passionate. I just wanted to be on fire. My prayer these past few years has been, God, keep me open. I want to stay open. I want to stay, I want to be open-hearted. I want to be tender-hearted. I, I don't want every, the pain in life, the pain in marriage, the pain in family, the pain in friendship, the pain in ministry, it is a, it's a war for our souls. And I see so many that pain, if we don't learn how to process pain in the presence of God, worship's not a place to avoid my pain, it's a, a place to pour out my pain. If we don't learn how to process pain in community and, and pain authentically in the presence of God, if we don't go there, our hearts close off. And I've seen so many shutting off their hearts and and at, at the older I get, I've just said, God, I want my heart to be open. I want my heart to be tender, I, 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 as, as painful as life can be, because life is hard. God, I want my heart to be bigger than it's ever been. At the end of my life, I want a heart that's more open. And that's been my prayer. Yeah, God, I want to be on fire, but I just want to be open. And, and um, it's so interesting. Um, you know, you think of stories like... Um, Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And I had never preached this story until this past year. I have no idea why it's such an epic story. I don't, but I, I, I preached it and I, and I thought that, that the, the, the climax of this, this, this sermon, this message would be, you know, the resurrection of Lazarus and Jesus calls him 
Guys, as I spent time praying through this passage, I could not get past this moment where Jesus weeps with Mary and Martha. It made me so angry. I, I, I didn't even want to preach this passage because the big revelation for me is growing up in the church, um, I was taught that the shortest verse in the Bible was Jesus wept. I remember growing up knowing Jesus wept was the shortest verse in the Bible, but nobody, nobody taught me that Jesus weeps with us. Hmm. And so for me, uh, just the weeping Jesus, the, the Jesus that invites his disciples into the garden with him. We hear a lot about the upper room. We hear a lot about the cross and the resurrection, very seldom do we hear about the garden. Jesus, who's weeping and he's bleeding and he's agonizing. His heart is so heavy with grief. And, and, uh, and I think there's really an invitation for us to go into the garden of grief and, and meet Father. Before Jesus faced the cross, he faced Father. And so I just think, uh, you know, it, for, for us to live into the fullness of who we are, for us to be spirit-filled and stay spirit-filled, we have got to learn how to face pain. I love that Jesus, he brings the 12 disciples to the edge of the garden. He takes three disciples into the garden. But at some point he says, wait here, because there is a place, there's a, there's a pain that, that we, can, we can only bring to Father. And so I think no matter, you know, no matter how or where you lead, I, I think pain is essential. What we do with pain, um, how we find Father in pain matters deeply. Um, we've had the most painful couple years of our lives um, with, with one of our daughters specifically. I've never wept more in the presence of God. I've never been more dependent on, on the voice of Father um, the voice of friends who are speaking life um, over our kids. And yet in this time, um, the war has been, God, I want to stay open. I want my heart to be soft. Uh, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, uh, I want my heart to be bigger than when I was 21 and first met you. I want to be on fire, but more than that, I just want to be open, God. Oh, so good. Thanks for sharing and just so vulner vulnerably and just uh um how how does that openness and that that sense of going God work through my pain, how do you think that has also helped you in your in leadership in in sitting in the pain, but also like your heart for to be a voice to culture and to be that, that that there's a voice in you. How do you think that allows you to connect with people in in a whole different way? Oh man, such a great question. When I uh, I had an emotional crash about six years ago, and during that crash, um, it took three years for me to, in some sense, find my heart again. And in that process. Um, I, um, I did quite a bit of counseling. Um, early on, I was kind of, I, I guess counseling had that stigma, you know, for me that, you know, I'm, I'm a pastor, I'm an emotional leader, I don't need, and, and God really had to break some things in me. And in the process of that, my counselor at one point, she said this to me, she said, it, it, it sounds like you've mastered the art at being present to God and being present to people, but never actually present to yourself. And so part of the journey for me was, was um, being present to Nate. And I started journaling. Um, one of my spiritual fathers said, um, he gave me a journal. He called it a, a, a grief journal, a lament. And he said, I want you to start to get, get more honest and raw with the Lord. You're really vulnerable with people but you're not vulnerable with yourself. And so I, I think some of that, Travis, to answer your question, my ability, and, and I'm telling you, I want more. I feel like I've scratched the surface barely. 
Um, but, but being able to feel things, um, you know, when we resist pain and resist community, no. we live small. And so for me, the, the um, being, being present to myself, feeling my feelings, uh, journaling before the Lord, being honest and transparent with my team profoundly, hmm. having spiritual fathers and mothers in my life, that, that world of, of being honest, uh, having no secrets, um, no part of my life that I'm hiding. I think what it's done is it's, it's slowly opened my heart more. And it's, it's uh, taken Nate, who can lead with vision well, and it's teaching me how to lead with heart. Um, our church, we've had people at our church say, wow, like we, we really love visionary Nate, but so much more heart Nate. And we've had people, you know, people watch you along the way and just friends just say we're, you know, we, we understand the, the heart risks you're taking. And so for me, I just think it's going to those places has allowed me to, I think, feel things in my family, be a better father, be a better husband. Um, obviously, it affects our preaching because, you know, we, we come to the word not to just get a message, but to break our heart open before the Lord. You know, and I think the I think the best sermons, the the best life, comes from a place where we've we've actually learned, um, like the woman at Jesus' feet, to break open our life before Him. I'm just learning how to do that. I'm 45, and I'm just learning how to actually get to heart space, and um, and it is hard. My daughter Cece calls it the hard heart work. <laughs> as we're teaching our kids to do heart work, and she said, heart work is hard work. And I'm going to quote CC the rest of my life. It really is, and that's why very few do it. It's much easier to just try to be awesome and not, and not um, live wholeheartedly, and that's the journey I'm on. Yeah, I remember you said one time, you said, uh, you said this, you said, God, what are you saying to me before I say something to others? And I, and I think that's so, so key yep. in, in preaching, but in, even in our interactions. It's like, God, what are you saying to me? And, and instead of looking in the Word and, you know, as preachers trying to get, get the Word for the thing, it's like, God, like, what are you saying to me first? And, um, and I just so, so appreciate that. Love it. Love it. Yeah, Nate, this is... Uh... I'm just I, I'm processing a lot with what you're you're sharing just because I know how um, I think when we talk about spirit empowered leadership, it's really easy to think about like the activity and the fruit and the gifts and and all of that. But I think the other element of spirit empowered leadership that you're really getting at today is how the Holy Spirit like um, leads us to that place of vulnerability and brokenness and need of yeah. Him. And, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm just trying to, even just processing in my own experience now, how, when we get to that point of like, Holy spirit, whatever you need to do in me, like how dangerous of a prayer that is. But at the same time, when he starts to do that work in us, like, yes, the, the type of leader that we become is so much more healthy and so much more alive. Oh, this is so good. (laughs) I would, I would say this, the greatest revelation I've had in the last five years has been this. God's not trying to get me somewhere. He's trying to get me open. Wow. That's good. This this changed my life drastically, especially the the driven kind of leader I am. God's not trying to get us somewhere. He's trying to get us open. Wow. God wants to open people. And and the the soul work, the heart work to become open. I mean, I think, honestly, uh, the anxiety and depression, it's epidemic these days. And there's so much warring against openness, the, the triggers, the trauma, the political fray. There's so much happening in culture right now that's, that's shutting people down. And how do we create what now one calls free and fearless space wow. for people to actually come into the fullness of who they are? 
And that takes work. It takes work for a father to do that for his kids, for a husband, for his wife, for a pastor, for a church, you know, for a businesswoman, a businessman, like whatever, to create free and fearless space so people can be open. Because that's when God does his most stunning work. Hmm. Yeah, so how, as a leader, just where do you walk the line? And again, it may not even be a line, but like to model this type of leadership that's vulnerable and broken and going through real hard stuff, but also um, knowing that there's different levels of bringing people in probably like with your pain, like how do you kind of process the, um, how you lead vulnerably and lead like that? Yeah. That's a great question. I have probably had to learn the hard way. I'm, I'm more transparent and more vulnerable at times than I probably need to be or even should be. Um, you know, there's a difference between being transparent and vulnerable. We can, you know, some of us have mastered the art, like me, the, the, the art of, of letting people in, but not really letting them in, you know? And so, um, and you don't let everyone in. Uh, I think now I'm, I'm speaking specifically as a, a leader, as a pastor when I share this, but it could translate in, into just human life. But for me, there's, there's a real tension of I have, I have fathers and mothers in my life and there, there is a place that I bring them in that's different than maybe friends. Um, there's, there's a place that I bring my friends into, uh, like Travis, that would be different than what I would bring maybe to my, my team that I'm leading. I'm really vulnerable with my team, but there are things I probably would share with fathers and mothers and friends outside of the context that I might not share with the team I'm leading. There are things I share with the team that I'm not going to share with the whole church. And so for me, you got these kind of, I, you could call it these four dimensions. You know, I could think this through more, but I, I, I think that um, if you're leading people, you have to bring them in enough. It's, I, I can't, if I'm going through deep pain, I, I can't, just share that with friends and not bring that to fathers and mothers. I can't not share that with the church, but it's how much do you share? So for me, it's, I want to be vulnerable in all those areas, but I realize there's different dimensions and it's, it's no different than Jesus bringing the 12 to the edge of the garden. He takes three a bit deeper. There's a place he only goes with father. And so for me, um, covenant friends, spiritual fathers and mothers, a core team that trusts me and I trust, and then our, our church family. Um, I think it's important that the church family sees raw, um, not just spirit-filled Nate, not just preaching-filled Nate, but pain-filled Nate. And so it's been important for me to be vulnerable at that level, but there's things I wouldn't share, it's, you know, with 500 people that that I'm going to entrust to some friends, you know, so that's how you navigate it. I, I think sometimes you, you have to mess it up a bit to, to find some of those lines. Um, but, but we need, um, we need to be processing pain in all those places. And, and it's, and it really is important. It's part of the journey because as we process pain, we actually grow. And, uh, and, and God opens us and he changes us. And, and, uh, so, oh, so, so good. So good. As you're talking in, in a moment, I'm going to ask you to pray for all of us, pray for yep. those that are watching and listening. But one more question I have for you. And I just, uh, come out of our conversation. We've talked about pain. We've talked about, um, encountering, um, where do you see, as we talk about spirit-empowered leaders, where do we see the church going? Where do we see 
you know, your, your view of culture. I know that you track with where culture is at and where humanity is at and the cry of humanity and, and you know, your desire for arts and film and culture, shifting culture. Where, where do you see the next 10, 15 years? Like, what's your prayer or your vision that you go, this is what God's doing on the earth? And I think you maybe shared a little bit with the, the friends and cities and connecting, but any sense on, like, what's what's... Yeah, I mean, there's there's quite a bit that we're praying into. Uh, I would, um, I would say that for us, um, through the years, it seems as if God has given us what I would call mandates. Um, there are invitations in life. God invites us into um, calling or some initiative, and then there are mandates. Mandate. Mandates are when God puts something on you so deeply, you have to do it. You can't not, or you're Jonah and you're running. Um, so I think for us along the way, one of those mandates has been prayer, um, a, a praying church. When, when faith stops praying, it stops living. There's been a mandate to, for, um, to cultivate prayer in our city. Another mandate has been to raise up fathers and mothers. I, I think that the future of the church is family. It's fathers and mothers. It's irresponsible to call home sons and daughters and not raise up fathers and mothers. And so we sense God's asking us to help build houses of fathers and mothers. Um, another one of those mandates um, has been to call a generation back into God's design and delight for sexuality. I think sexuality uh, right now, it's God is, God is raising up voices that can speak to the confusion and and um, and God's giving vision to the church again to call a generation back into our beautiful sex story that God has authored. Um, I think uh, another mandate has been to represent the church as family to the world. These are some of the things along the way, but right now, what we sense. Um, I'm not saying this is for everyone, but I sense God saying as we come into these next 40 years that we have to have the courage to create space outside of the context of local church to give birth and creativity to new forms and new expressions of kingdom and church. I feel it so deep in my bones Oftentimes there's a divorce between the, the apostolic and the, the local that, that apostolic pioneering entrepreneurial leaders feel like they have to leave the church to do what's in their heart because most churches are just pastor teacher. And so um, when there's a divorce between the local and the missional, we end up with either a missionless church or a churchless mission. And God wants to marry these things again. And so I think a marriage of the local and missional and then um, the, the, the courage to be able to get off, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer says, get off the train, get off the old paradigms and frameworks. I value the local church profoundly, but local church on its best day only reaches these people. And so for us to have the, the courage enough to, to, to create the space for new forms, I think God is on this. I think there's an apostolic movement right now. Um, one million people um, will leave the church in the U.S. this year alone. And I think some are leaving because they're jaded. Some are leaving because they're, they're hurt or they don't believe in church anymore. But I think many are leaving the church because it's too small. Because it only has a vision for pastor, teacher type stuff. And so people with apostolic in their bones and the evangelistic fire, they're leaving, not because they don't love the church, but because God's calling them to pioneer. So can we build what I call apostolic family? I, I know this, this requires probably more conversation, but can, can we build a church big enough that, that, um, that sets people free Come to on. pioneer things, to reach people that have never been done before. And Come so on. I'm very excited about that. We're, um, we, we call it pioneers. Come and uh, this is a year where I, I just sense God saying, put that on the burner. Come on. I, I love it and carry that heart and we carry that heart. And I want you to pray. Would you pray with whatever God yeah, would pray. 
put on your heart, but I just sense if you're watching, if you're listening today, we believe at the Spirit Empowered Leader podcast that that Holy Spirit's going to encounter you afresh. Wherever you're at, wherever you're at in your leadership journey, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, God wants to encounter you afresh. And with what Nate shared today, just open your heart, open your mind to receive what he wants to do. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, we just invite you. For those who have uh, never experienced maybe a, a baptism of God's Spirit, God, we just say, would you come? Would there be a, a revival, God, of your Spirit? For those who feel weary or tired, disconnected or jaded, we ask for renewal. God, revival for those who just need their heart to come alive. Renewal for those who just need more wind. Uh, God, we, um, we so, so desperately need your spirit to cultivate uh, a deeper life with you. God, I pray you move profoundly, God, in the, in the church in Canada and beyond, Lord. Uh, people who have not only experienced you but are fully formed by you and and God I just uh, for those that are in pain as we've talked about pain um, God open us mm-hmm. God help us do the, the soul work the spirit drenched soul work to stay open to stay in love um, in the, the trauma, the triggers, the polarization, the confusion, the jadedness, the deconstruction, whatever language we give to it, God, I just pray that, that uh, you'd raise up a faithful church, um, open, God-hearted, wholehearted, and this is a work of your spirit, God, and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, while you were praying, I just was reminded of that scriptural promise of beauty from ashes. He's one who brings beauty from ashes, garment of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. And uh, so, yeah, if that resonates with any of you today, just receive and uh, just know that he's with you, that he's crying with you, that he is, you're not alone in your pain. Um, Yeah, thank you so much, Nate. Um, Yeah, I just, uh, I know I've been really impacted by the conversation today, and I'm sure many listening have as well, but I'm just curious if somebody wants to connect with you um, or some of the resources that you've made available, how can they do that? Yeah, there's a few ways. Um, w- you know, we're here in Reading at the Stirring Church, uh, so uh, you can reach out directly, you know, to our church. We have a Stirring Church podcast. Um, we have a pastor's podcast, as you guys mentioned. Um, we just uh, recorded, I think, season three or something of the pastor's podcast. We have a a pastor's conference in Sacramento every January. So that's another place to connect. And then uh, finally a a preacher's family that we're building. So we're five years in. The Lord said build a global family of preachers and we'll be hosting live events and then uh, soon here opening an online community for preachers. So if you feel called to that, encountering the God of the Bible a marriage of theology and Holy Spirit, um, breaking the silence and ceilings over people's lives and crafting messages worth encountering. Um, We'd love to have you a part of Preachers. So yeah, just an honor to be on here, you guys. Oh, so good. Hey man, thanks so much for your time today and just, just love you and please say hi to Erica and have an amazing trip to Norway and we are just so blessed. We'll have to have you again because we could, we could keep going for hours. I know there's lots to talk about, but we'll, we'll do it again. But just thank you for your time and we just uh, bless you. 
Oh, that was that was amazing. And I might be biased because Nate is a dear friend, but I just I just mm-hmm. love his heart. I love his posture. I love his wow. vulnerability, um, his openness to Holy Spirit to encounter. Um, he he gets a revelation, and when I'm around him, I don't know if you sense this, Donovan. There's something he when he unpacks the word, he is so passionate about the word, but also about mm-hmm. spirit. And when he unpacks it, he gets revelation. It's it's made me go into the word more um, when I'm around him and go, I need revelation like that. Mm-hmm. I need God show me some stuff. I, I don't know about you. What what did strike you from this conversation? Oh, there's so today? much from today's conversation with Nate. I, I love how he just gives language to, to things that are really complicated and makes them really simple. Um, but I love what he had to say about apostolic family. I've got to chew on that for a while, that whole idea of we're sent and we're sent together. Um, I know that it was quite, uh, yeah, it, it can be easy. We talked about this at the beginning. It can be really easy to to do ministry in isolation, but we're called to family and friendship. And so I really do uh, just feel this weightiness to like, who are the people that I'm running with? Who are the people that were sent together to see mm. people come to know Jesus? It's just so good. Because, um, yeah, it's so easy to think ministry and think the four walls. Think, like you said, pastoral teacher. But w- what about the other areas? Oh, I'm just so stirred by that. It was so good. Yeah. Oh, so good. And we want to thank you. Thank you for tuning in, for watching, Mm -hmm. for listening. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. We are forming a community of leaders on a journey together, the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. And we can't do it without you. It's, It's no point us filming some things if you're not watching, if you're not listening, if you're not part of it. So could you um, give a review? Could you share this with someone wherever you found Mm -hmm. this podcast? Share it. Tell a friend about it. We have some amazing episodes coming up this season um, and and some ones that have already aired that you you need to check out. Um, If you want more information on us, liveresurgence.com. Go to a website. You can send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. Where are you watching from? Uh, Where did you hear this from? What, What spoke to you about what Nate shared today? What spoke to you? What questions do you have as we make future episodes we love to hear what topics do you want us to cover because we want to learn too and so um send those in if if there's some ideas that you have we'd love to hear that we're on a journey together and so glad that you've joined us and so want to say goodbye because we went long this week uh, but it was so good and so thank you for watching the spirit empowered leader podcast see See you next time Thank you for listening to the Spirit Empowered Leader Podcast. We hope that this podcast has encouraged you as an empowered leader. This podcast is brought to you by Resurgence Initiatives. Our mandate is to revive churches, release leaders, and reach people. We are on a journey, and the dream God has put in our heart involves you. Learn more at liveresurgence.com or on Instagram at liveresurgence.